Welcome and thank you for joining us here at Life Central. If you want to know more about who we are and what we're all about, check out our website, lifecentral.org.za or like, follow and subscribe to our social media channels. We hope this message speaks into your life and that you will find meaning and purpose through it, guiding you through your daily life. We are into the third part of our series, A Hill to Live On. Now, this series name comes from a saying, and the saying is, do you really see this as a hill to die on? Now, this means that you have a belief that you will, um, man, you're willing to fight for it, uh, and you're willing to pay any cost to fight for this belief. Now, Jesus had a bit of a different approach, and he challenges us in Matthew 5 and verse 14, and he says, you are the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. You see, Jesus says that we have a hill to live on rather than a hill to die on. And so from there, the name for this series. Now, a hill to live on speaks into a question that is at the core of every single one of us. And it is a question of legacy. Leo Tolstoy wrote this. My question, that which at the age of 50 brought me to the verge of suicide was the simplest of questions. Laying in the soul of every man, a question without an answer to which one cannot live. It was, what will come of what I'm doing today or tomorrow? What will come of my whole life? Why should I live? Why wish for anything or do anything? It can also be expressed thus. Is there any meaning in my life that the inevitable death awaiting me does not destroy? Tolstoy is truly wrestling this question of lasting legacy. Something that is passed on, something that lives on way beyond our time here on earth. Now, legacy can take a few forms. Uh, it can be money, it can be assets, but more often than not, legacy comes from one's character, from, from one's reputation or the life that you lived. And this kind of legacy is a legacy of faith or ethics. And if we put all those words together and we need one word to describe all of them, it's a legacy of values because these values actually leave people something to look at, something to inspire them. It trades deep paths for them to follow in and for them to go further than what we ever have gone because they could follow in those good paths. You see, Paul writes to his apprentice, Timothy, and he says the following, I remember your genuine faith, for you share the faith that first filled your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice. And I know that the same faith continues strong in you. Paul speaks here of a legacy, a legacy of faith from a grandmother passed down to a mother, 
passed down to a, a child or a grandson by that time. And that young man grew up to be Paul's most trusted travel companion. And ultimately, he became the overseer of the first church in Ephesus. Uh, all this because a grandmother trusted God and laid good values down for her, her daughter. And that mom, man, she lived out those same values and showed her son how to do the same. Now, this is just a story of great legacy and one verse in the Bible, but it does give us good insight into where we're going. Now, the question to us is, what legacy are we preparing to pass on? A good character is the best tombstone. Those who loved you and were helped by you will remember you when the forget-me-nots have withered. Carve your, carve your name on hearts, not on marble. Charles Spurgeon here really sums it up well. That, you know what, we can give people things. We can give people things with name tags on. But those things rust. Those things, they wither and they die and they get broken in time. But if we want to really leave a lasting legacy, if we want to carve our names onto people's hearts, let's leave them with values. Timothy is strongly admonished by Paul to do the following. He says, cling to your faith in Christ and keep your conscience clear. For some people have deliberately violated their consciences. As a result, their faith has also been shipwrecked. Paul is giving Timothy good advice here to, to leave a lasting legacy in the people that he's leading. Uh, the conscience, consciences that he's talking of here is, is uh, in the Greek, the word literally means it's this joint knowing. It is where our spiritual knowing and our moral knowing meet. Pretty much the place where our values are formed. The place where our values is challenged. The place where we have our values and the tough questions of life come in. And we have to wrestle through these things. See, how will these decisions that we make impact the legacy we leave? Uh, Peter writes to the churches that he started. And he, and he writes the following. He says, So prepare your minds for action and exercise self-control. Put all your hope in the gracious, gracious salvation that will come to you when Jesus Christ is revealed to the world. So you must live as God's obedient children. Don't slip back into your old ways of living to satisfy your own desires. You don't know, you didn't know any better then. But now you must be holy in everything you do, just as God who chose you is holy. For the scriptures say, you must be holy because I am holy. Values stop us from slipping back into old patterns, into old way of thinking, into old ways of doing things. You see, Peter tells us here that we were never created to fit in to the pattern of, of, of the world, to the pattern of the marketplace. No, we were created 
to stand out, to be holy, to be set apart for God's use uh, in everything that we do, uh, and especially in our values, in our character, and in our identity. Now, this is very contrary to the narrative out there in, in the marketplace. You see, that we are constantly bombarded with the fact or the idea that we are to fit in in the world. The thinking is, sure, you are an individual, but um, don't, don't go and upset the apple cart. Uh, sure, you are an individual, but stick to the status quo in life. Sure, you're, you're an individual, but fit in. Don't be a sore thumb out there. And that line of thinking often, man, it often sits well with us, I'll be honest with you. There is a, a, quite a desire for us to fit in, to, to, man, to have a normal life, to have a normal family, to have a normal social life, to have a normal climb up the job ladder. But I'm convinced that you know better, that you know better than, than to think that the things that, that make you passionate, the things that you are passionate about, the things that, that drive your heart, man, they're not normal. They are so much more than the normal things out there in the world. The things that attract you is everything but normal, and that's why they attract you. It's because they are different, and they stand out, and they call us to be different and to stand out in life. You see, we've all been in those conversations, uh, those conversations that sound a bit like the trailer to a dramatic comedy movie. Uh, it kind of sounds like this. Meet Bob. Bob is unhappy. Bob needs happiness in his life. Join Bob on his journey towards happiness and living happily ever after. I don't know that our highest calling is, is our happiness. In fact, I'm convinced that God's highest call for us is not our happiness. Now, that might come as a shock to most of us, but the point here is that so often we get, we get sold this lie that God just wants us to be happy. And that lie gets us into a line of thinking where we become willing to violate our values for the happiness that is out there for us. And this is very, very dangerous. You see, we, we come up with these interesting justifications in those moments. Uh, I like to call them happiness justifications. Um, they're really not good for us. We start thinking that since I'm not happy, I'm allowed to do something that would otherwise be wrong so that I can be happy again. Now, things are difficult in your marriage. I'm not happy in my marriage, so uh, I can just leave. You know, surely she's not that happy either. Look at her, she doesn't seem happy. Maybe it will make us both happy if we just give up and leave. You see, God's highest call for us is not our happiness, but our holiness. I want this thing. I can't afford this thing, but, you know, having this thing will really make me happy. It might even, you know, make my wife happy when I have this thing that I can't afford and shouldn't have because I don't have the money for it. So let me make, uh, you know, 
a little bit of debt that I can't afford to afford this thing that I'm not supposed to afford because it's going to make me happy. You see how these happiness justifications gets us into all kinds of trouble. It's uh, young people uh, in a relationship uh, who realize that, you know, there's some things that, man, you really want to do, but you, you know, everybody's telling you that you should wait till you're married to do these things. But man, it's going to make us really happy. And I know, like, like all this, you, everybody has something to say about it. Everybody has an opinion about it. But even God will be happy because we're practically married in his eyes. Happiness, justifications, violating our values to have happiness for a moment. And that happiness is not guaranteed to last at all. The problem is, when we think that God's call for us is our happiness, we start getting into this idea that, uh, man, we, can, we don't have to live for the big picture. Uh, that discomfort, delay, that risk, and, and even suffering cannot be part of God's plan for us. And so we do our best to avoid, avoid those, kind of, those kind of things. Uh, we, without knowing it, we start idolizing the idea that Comfort, money, pleasure, and things are God's highest call for us, are God's highest hope for us, and we deserve those kind of things. And once again, it slips us into a place where we start to become willing to violate our values to have happiness. And that's not a good place for you or for me to live. See, this rabbit hole, gets me to a place where I believe God exists to serve me, where I believe God exists to make me happy. And that is not why God exists. No, that's why we exist. We exist to make God known. We exist to serve God. We exist to make God happy, not the other way around. And our highest calling is to holiness, and that sets us apart from the rest of the world to please God. Our, high, our highest calling, sorry, is not to feel good in the current moment. No, our highest call is to choose His best for ourselves over and over and over again. And His best, man, His best echoes on in eternity. Those decisions that we make that are tough in the moment echoes on into eternity and leaves a lasting legacy. Not because we're better than anybody else, no, but because we've honored God, we get to have that kind of legacy. There is a joy in serving God, in living out those values. There is a purpose in it. There is a calling in it that goes so far beyond what we see here today, that goes so far beyond the happiness that this life has for us. Now, it will be a lie for me to tell you that choosing these values over and over and over again is easy, is simple. Uh, you know what? It's going to be a breeze for you. Uh, it is hard at the best of times. And it takes courage and it takes strength and it takes wisdom and knowledge at all times to keep choosing your values over what you are challenged with. But as our next steps, I want to I give you some reflections to think on 
to help you to choose your values over happiness and this idea that maybe my happiness is God's greatest call for my life. Let me help you with them. The first is, which three areas am I most tempted to fit in? Is it in business? Are you constantly at work being challenged to fit into a place where your values just go, no ways, we can't do this? Is it in a family matter where your family is constantly challenging you to fit into a certain idea or to fit into a certain mold where your values just go, no, this is not the best for you? Is it in some relationship? Is it in school? Is it socially where you continually challenged to fit in rather than to stand out to be that city on a hill? The next question is, when was a time that I put my happiness above God's call for holiness? The question is pretty much this. When were you last disappointed in yourself? When was the last time you looked at yourself and went, you know what, I'm better than this. What am I doing here? Uh, remember that time and, and reflect on that time. The next question is this. What are the biggest ways that I'm different from the world? In which areas are you already standing out? In which areas are your values already shining through and other people are seeing it and you are starting to leave a lasting legacy in those lives? The last question is, where is God challenging me to be different? Where is my opportunity for growth? What does God have his finger on in my life at this stage so that I can go, Lord, I need to trust you in this. It's challenging, it's tough, but Lord, I'm gonna trust you and I'm gonna, I'm gonna know that you are giving me the strength and the wisdom and the knowledge and the insight to be the person that you have called me to be in this moment. Now, these questions are not here to modify your behavior behavior, to make you a good Christian boy or a good Christian girl, no. Now these questions are aimed at our transformation, at us stepping into what God has for us, into His best for your life and His best for my life. When it's hard, I wanna to say to you that you can do hard things because leaving a legacy greater than what you can ever imagine is God's call for you and it's God's call for me and he is with us every single step of the way and when we doubt that hear this verse for you know that God paid a ransom to save you from the empty life you inherited from your ancestors and it was not paid with mere gold or silver which lose their value it was the precious blood of Christ the sinless, spotless Lamb of God. Father God, I thank you for the legacy you have left for us, Lord, to find freedom, to find life. Lord, I thank you that we can trust that legacy, that we can trust your character. And Lord, I thank you that you've called us to stand out, to be holy, to be set apart. And Lord, I wanna thank you, Lord, that you give us the strength, you give us the wisdom, Give us the insight, Lord, to every single day choose those values, to choose you over momentary happiness, Lord. When that gets challenged, Lord, 
may I ask, Lord, that you come and you help us, Lord. Make us aware of those challenges, Lord, where in the past it was so easy to just glance over them. Lord, will you now make us aware of them that we might every day step a little bit closer to being holy as our Father in heaven is holy. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us for this, the third part of our A Hill to Live On series. Join us next week for the last of the series. Have a wonderful week. Thank you for listening in to the Life Central podcast today. If you would like to get connected or get involved, follow us on social media or visit our website, lifecentral.org.za. We hope you join us here again next week.